I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking back on Arsenal's 3-2 victory over Manchester United in the Premier League at Emirates Stadium. Buzzing is an understatement. What an emotional roller coaster uh, we went through this afternoon at the Emirates Stadium. What an atmosphere inside the place. It was brilliant. It was nothing short of fantastic. I've spoken to people that have watched the game on television uh, who have messaged me and said, I can't believe how great the atmosphere looked on the TV, which means it was one hell of an atmosphere because it's coming through across to you guys through your television sets as well. If you were there tonight, um, this evening, you're incredibly fortunate like me to have been able to experience an atmosphere like that, an atmosphere like we've never seen before at Emirates Stadium, because this is what Mikel Arteta has built. This is what Mikel Arteta has created. He's created a monster. He's created a machine. He has created a culture, not just on the pitch and in the changing room, but in the terraces as well, in the stands as well. I'm just, I'm so happy. Like, Normally, when the game finishes, I'm I'm sort of sitting there and I'm trying to kind of mull over uh, what I've just seen and, and I'm trying to process what I've just seen. And a lot of the time I say to people, yeah, you know what? This was my takeaway or that was my takeaway. And normally when I walk back to the car with my mates, we we talk about, um, you know, what, what went well, what didn't go so well. Honestly, we were all speechless tonight. We walked back to the cars speechless just in awe of what we'd just seen. There was no words at that moment in time that I felt would do justice to what we just witnessed. Now, look, people will say, look at Arsenal over-celebrating as if they've won the Premier League. We're only 50% of the way through the season. You know what I say to those people? Get in the bin. We're not saying that we've won the Premier League. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. We're not getting carried away. What we are doing is enjoying the moment, enjoying how far this team has come enjoying the position that we find ourselves in and enjoying the fact that we now have a group of players wearing the famous red and white that we know are going to fight till the death every single week, that we know are going to give their 100% every week, that have a real belief in what they're being coached to do and have a belief that that is the way forward and are therefore able to stick to that and willing to stick to that even when in certain matches it doesn't look as if it's going to work. It doesn't look as if it's going to be enough for us to get all three points. There were people out there, you know, at the end of last season who wanted Mikel Arteta sacked. Arsenal fans out there wanted Mikel Arteta sacked. Look at where your football club is today. This football club is back. This football club is back on the map. And you know how you know that? Because A, we're top of the league. B, we're playing amazing football. See, there are people in the media, people who represent other clubs who are always looking to find some sort of fault with us. One week is the manager and his conduct and the way he appeals for decisions on the touchline. The next week, it's, you know, oh, our players crowded around the referee. There's always something. And when you're hated and when people start to try and pick holes in good work, 
It's because they're envious. It's because they're jealous. It's because they can't take the fact that Arsenal are back and Arsenal are back. And whatever happens now between today and the end of the Premier League season, whether we win the title or not, whether we win the title or, or miss out if we finish second to Manchester City, hell, even if we slip down to third place, Arsenal Football Club is back. Arsenal Football Club is competitive again. Arsenal Football Club has a feel-good factor around it again. There's a unity within the club and within the fan base. And that's amazing. That's amazing to see. And Mikel Arteta has brought that back. Yeah, Edu's played a great part. Yeah, the ownership deserves some credit for, you know, backing him when the going got tough and for backing him in the transfer market and all of that stuff. But Mikel Arteta is the one who's built this. Mikel Arteta is the one who's got the Emirates Stadium rocking the way it is. The way he coaches this team, the way they go out there and take the game to anybody in front of them, the way they can get pegged back and still believe and still fight and still stick to their principles and play their game. And the way players now who are full of confidence are able to or willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck as individuals. We saw it at Spurs last week. Martin Odegaard picks up the ball midway inside the Spurs half, drives forward. Martin Odegaard lacking confidence or Martin Odegaard maybe 12 months ago would have looked for a pass to his left. Instead, he thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take this on because I believe in myself because I am confident. And he found the bottom corner. He found the bottom corner and gave us the second goal, which ultimately ended the game. Look at Bukayo Saka today. At 1-1, he picks up the ball on the right-hand side. Drifts in field. There's not really an awful lot on. And he thinks, you know what? I'm going to take this on myself. I'm going to find that far corner. And bang, in it goes. The place goes absolutely mental. The place goes absolutely crazy. Okay, Arsenal were pegged back after that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, people keep saying, oh, do the fans believe yet? I think a lot of people are starting to believe that it is possible and that it is a real possibility. But more importantly than what the fans think, the players out there are starting to believe. Not just in their ability as a collective, but in their ability as individuals as well. And the fact that they're able to produce moments as individuals as well as be incredibly effective as a collective, shows you that the team is progressing, but also Mikel Arteta has taken these young players onto a totally different level, up to a totally different point, you know, and, and it, that's as simply as I can kind of put that. Let's, um, let's start with um, the team. We'll talk about the team selection. We'll talk about uh, some individual performances. We'll go through all of it. Uh, on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Uh, someone's asked me in the chat if I can give my player ratings. I can't give player ratings uh, on this edition of the show because it will be unfair on the members that have signed up uh, to the Chronicles of Aguna on another slice to get exclusive access to that. So it's not that I don't want to, um, I don't want to share them with you or that there's a problem with me sharing them with you. I just don't think it's fair, um, you know, if there are paying members who are supporting the channel and, um, and you know, contributing in that way for me to kind of give the same content out like an hour later, it wouldn't, wouldn't really be fair. It's not that, you know, everybody has to pay or everybody has to be subscribed. I've not got an issue with people that aren't subscribed. You know, everyone does what they can. And I appreciate those that have. And 
And those that can't, I, I totally understand as well. But it just wouldn't be fair for me to duplicate the same content that is behind a paywall here. Um, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but we will talk about the individual performances and we will break them down uh, just in a slightly different way. Uh, big shout out to uh, Limitless Football Academy. Make sure you give them uh, a follow on all the social media platforms. Uh, he says, uh, we've got our Arsenal back, the style, the fan base, and we're competing again. The club is moving in the right direction and winning every week isn't bad either. Up the gunners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. I just, I remember when, like, we'll, we'll come back to the what I said I was going to start with in a minute. Well, I just need to quickly say this before I forget it. When Eddie Nketiah's winning goal went in, I remember just kind of like looking up to the heavens and then looking down and looking around me and seeing the stadium going absolutely batshit crazy. But me, I couldn't because I suspected that Eddie Nketiah was offside. Just watching it in real time from, from the corner in the North Bank behind that goal, just looking at it once, I suspected that Eddie Nketiah was offside and I was just holding my head in my hands. I was just praying uh, that the um, the VAR wasn't going to step in. And then when the VAR did step in and that big purple screen comes up, VAR check, possible offside, you think, shit, here we go. But no, thankfully, uh, he was onside. Thankfully, uh, the decision went our way and thankfully... That resulted in Arsenal taking all three points because we'll come on to it in a bit, but that is so, so significant. So, so significant. Let's go back to the starting lineup. I don't think anybody would have had any qualms with what Mikel Arteta decided to do. Um, Aaron Ramsdale in goal, Ben White at right back, uh, Gabriel and Saliba at centre back with Zinchenko at left back, Xhaka Parte Odegaard in midfield with Saka Martinelli either side of Enketi. I think that's probably the starting lineup that I think everybody would have picked, if we're being honest. Um, but the way the game started, you know, there were some encouraging signs. Like, you did see moments where we moved the ball quite slick and quite quickly. And, you know, you could feel that there was a really strong atmosphere inside the ground. And you, you could see that Arsenal were trying to start on the front foot, that Arsenal were determined to have that fast start that has become a real characteristic of this team's uh, over the last uh, sort of 12 months, we were looking to put Manchester United to the sword early. But it was Manchester United who got their noses in front. Now, it was kind of against the run of play, I would say. You know, there were moments where they did break the ball out to the right or out to the left in sort of counter-attacking situations. But I thought Arsenal did a really good job of shifting over, uh, getting across making sure that they closed those players down and making sure that they had very limited options inside of them uh, by ensuring that this, the defence was set up right, but also that the midfielders were tracking back as well. And we talked, didn't we, in the build-up in the preview show about the fact that there would be moments where if Manchester United worked the ball, especially out to their right-hand side, where Anthony started, we would need to make sure that we were able to shift across quickly enough. And I thought for the most part, Arsenal did that really, really well. But what Arsenal weren't doing well, I thought, at periods at the start of the game, was um, was sort of making the right decisions. There was a number of occasions in that first period where players made the wrong decisions with the ball at their feet. You know, we would take, for example, free kicks too quickly and put ourselves under pressure because of our desperation to take the free kick quickly. 
it's your free kick free kick you should never be under pressure from that situation um thomas Partey sort of would break out of midfield and get into advanced areas and then kind of got caught in two minds as to what he should do with the ball and ended up giving it away ben white tried to play passes inside where maybe he could have played the ball out wider to Bukayo Saka um, and, and gave it away. Martinelli's decision-making, I thought, was not great, especially in the first half. It got a little bit better in the second half, but I thought he played safer in the second half. We just we weren't quite at it at the beginning of the game. The first 20 minutes or so, we just weren't quite at it. There were just a few moments that I think, um, you know, we struggled in. I think that Manchester United did a really good job of arsenaling Arsenal in the sense of playing quite high up the pitch, trying to win the ball back high up the pitch, putting us under pressure when we were trying to play out from the back and then following up their first line of press really well with a second line of press. And it just looked a bit messy from Arsenal, I thought, in the first 20 minutes or so. And then, of course, on 17 minutes, they win the ball high up the pitch the ball gets fed inside to Marcus Rashford, who's been in excellent form. I talked about him as being Manchester United's biggest threat going into this game. He shifts it out of his feet and he rifles it into the bottom corner. Aaron Ramsdale, absolutely no chance. The ball bounces, I think, right in front of him as well, which makes it difficult. Um, but at that point, you you kind of, you know, on the one hand, you're like, shit, you know, it, it looks a little bit untidy. It looks a little bit messy at this moment in time. And, Manchester United have got their noses in front and now they're going to be quite defensive and, and look to play on the counter-attack, which is ultimately what their kind of preferred mode is to be in. And you're kind of sitting there thinking this is going to be a long afternoon. But credit to Arsenal and credit to the fans as well, because I think this team has responded so well to difficult moments over the last uh, few months that now the fans believe, even when we do get pegged back, even when we do go behind, that there is plenty of football to be played and there's no reason to panic. The fans have also realised, I'm talking about the match-going fans here, that it's e it's better or more effective or more useful to get behind your players when they're going through a difficult period of time rather than the moans and groans that we hear in the Emirates Stadium pretty much every week over a number of years. You know, Manchester United score... The first reaction from the Arsenal fans inside the stadium today was to get up and to, to G up the team and to cheer on the team and to try and get them going again. And then Arsenal, you know, start to take control of the ball again, start to move the ball really, really well. And within what? I think it was about seven odd minutes or something. Arsenal are back on level terms. And it comes from a wonderful move. You know, I think we started it off from playing a short corner and the short corner... Was, was something that I found quite frustrating today because I think there were a lot of occasions in which it just didn't work. And I couldn't really work out what it was we were trying to achieve from that. But it was a really well-worked move. The ball makes its way out to Bukayo Saka on the left-hand side. He looks up, he puts it into a really dangerous area. I mean, my word, what a cross that is from Granit Xhaka. He just glances up, he takes it on the run and he just steers it into the penalty area. And the cross is so good. It's so accurate. It's got the right balance of power and accuracy on it, that all it needs is somebody to divert it on target. And if you make the right connection with that ball, you are beating David De Gea. And up pops Eddie Nketiah. Now, if you watch that goal back again, it's incredible movement from Eddie Nketiah. When the ball makes its way out to Granit Xhaka on that left-hand side, 
Eddie Nketiah reads it. Eddie Nketiah knows that that ball's going to come in. And he knows that if he's going to have any chance of getting to that ball, he needs to cut back across Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who was defending at that far post. We talk a lot about Eddie Nketiah's striking instincts. We talk a lot about the fact that inside the penalty area, he really does come alive. And although there were question marks around, you know, the build-up play and the other things that he offers and the other things that he might bring to the table uh, in Gabriel Jesus's absence, I don't think there's ever been a doubt about the fact that he is a poacher, a goal scorer, and that he does come alive, especially in and around that six-yard box. And he did exactly that. He's the first one to be alert. He's the first one to read Granite Xhaka's intention. He's the first one to react. And he gets into the position from which he can head home. And there you go, 1-1. The place relaxes again. You know, not that it was ever too stressful prior to the equaliser, because again, as I say, this team have earned our trust. We now believe that this team can turn things around, even when maybe the performance isn't going the way you'd like it. Because... They've proven that they can overcome hurdles. They've proven that they can overcome difficult moments. And there they were doing it again. And then the second half starts. And, and, and I remember look, I remember just prior to the second half starting at halftime thinking, you know what? We haven't been amazing in this first half. We haven't been very good. I thought there were a lot of things that were lacking. I thought that, as I've mentioned already, I thought White gave the ball away a few times and he was walking a disciplinary tightrope up against Marcus Rashford, having picked up a yellow card. I didn't think Thomas Partey was having his best game. He'd given the ball away a few times. I thought Zinchenko was struggling to come in field in the way that he does normally because of the threat that Anthony posed um, on that that wide right-hand side, the way he kept pulling out to the touchline. I felt like Zinchenko was obligated to go with him and, and as a result was reluctant to drift in field as much as he'd like. And that gave us less control. That allowed Manchester United to have sustained periods of possession. So you're kind of looking at all those things at the break and you're thinking, do you know what? A draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world. I know Manchester City had won earlier on in the day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those where I got to half time and I'm like, do you know what? A draw is not the end of the world. A draw against a very good and informed Manchester United side might be as good as we're going to get today. Because it just didn't feel to me like the performance level was as high as it has been in other games. That's not to say that Arsenal were bad in that first period. Despite the large volume of unforced errors, to use a tennis phrase, because that's what a lot of them were. Arsenal were competitive physically. Arsenal were mentally at the races, at least, were trying to... Uh, you know, compete. I didn't feel like Arsenal had lost their heads at any point. It just felt like some of the passing, some of the movement, it just wasn't coming off. There were times where you'd see us play a ball out to the wide areas and there'd be a bounce on the ball or there'd be a, an awkward spin on the ball. And that kind of little thing just makes it awkward for the receiver. And if the receiver then has to take an additional touch to bring it under control or has to steady themselves or check their run because the pass wasn't great, that just delays slightly and that impacts your flow and your rhythm. And I thought that was the case in a lot of the first half. But my word, the second half was fantastic. It was brilliant. And just eight or so minutes into the second half, Bukayo Saka comes out and produces a goal like that. And you're thinking, my God, what a special player we have on our hands. You know, I remember saying uh, to the guys around me when that goal went in, I wish it came in the 85th minute because there's an awful long time to hold on now. 
you know it was a it was a bit um you know it was um obviously amazing to see Bukayo Saka score that goal and what a goal it is on an individual level but because the first half performance wasn't all that great in my personal opinion again it was competitive we were tenacious we fought hard we battled well but it wasn't as fluid as Arsenal have been this season at various points which is why I felt a little bit underwhelmed and a little bit shortchanged by the first half performance. But then you score that goal in the second half and you think, okay, you know what? Maybe this is our day. Only to get pegged back six minutes later, courtesy of a mistake. And it really was a bad mistake, in my opinion, from Aaron Ramsdale. I think it's a terrible mistake. I know in the second half, he also made an, a world-class save down to his left-hand side where he got a really strong arm on it. Fantastic. But... Aaron Ramsdale gift-wrapped Manchester United their second goal. And it's a really hard one to try and make sense of because the corner comes in. Ramsdale gets to it. He doesn't look as though um, he's having much trouble getting to it. But having got there, you need to clear that with some distance. You need to, if you if you, if you're not sure that you can get the distance, you need to put it into a less dangerous area. You do not put that slap bang in the middle of the penalty box and credit to Lissandro Martinez because he has to stoop down and generate enough power off of that header to make sure that the defender on the line can't keep it out. It was Gabriel on the stretch. Um, some people say in the chat that Ramsdale was hindered by his own players, maybe, but as a goalkeeper, you can use your hands, you can use your fists, you can use your knees when you jump, you can use all of those things. And I don't think there's ever an excuse for a goalkeeper clearing the ball that poorly. It was poor from Aaron Ramsdale. As I say, he made a world-class save at another point in the game. He made a number of brilliant saves at Spurs. I'm not going to sit here and say that Aaron Ramsdale's a liability or that Aaron Ramsdale should be replaced or any shit like that. I'm just simply saying that in this instance, he's gift-wrapped Manchester United a goal. And at that point, you're thinking, well, we didn't play all that well in the second half. Bukayo Saka's just used up our one moment of individual brilliance in this game with his goal but then we've offset that or given that back to Manchester United with a really I guess our uncharacteristic error at the back from Aaron Ramsdale and now we've you know we've we've got to see how this is going to go I must admit when Manchester United made it 2-2 I worried I thought there's half an hour left here Manchester United could well be in the ascendancy I thought they'd have been the happier of the two sides after the first half just uh, because of the fact that obviously, um, you know, they, they wanted to curb Arsenal's fast start. They, they would have come to Emirates Stadium knowing that Arsenal liked to play that way. They would have turned up knowing that if they could ride out the storm of the first 20 minutes, they'd stand a very good chance of getting something from the game. And it was them who scored within the first 20 minutes. It was they who took the lead. OK, they were pegged back, but they would have been pretty satisfied, I thought. Um, you know, with with their first half's work and having equalised, having been uh, pegged back and then having gone behind, I thought they would have been delighted. But from that point on, from the, the moment that Lissandro Martinez's goal went in, this was when Arsenal's character came through. This was when Arsenal's fight shone through. This was when I looked at this team and I thought, do you know what? Even if we end up drawing this game 2-2, this is an incredible performance and one that this team should be very, very proud of because from that moment on, the level shot up. The intensity, the pace with which we did things, the accuracy of the passing, the zip, the tempo, all of it came back. All of it 
just clicked into place. And Manchester United, from the minute that they equalised, were pretty much on the ropes. There was only going to be one winner from then on. Yeah, you were worried and you were wary of the threat that Manchester United have on the counter-attack. We spoke a lot about that in the build-up to the game. But from Manchester United equalising, which had the potential to break us, having worked quite hard to get back in front or to draw level and then get in front, instead it inspired us. And that's when you know a team's got character. That's when you know a team's got balls. That's when you know a team have got the cojones to go far in this title race. Because at no point did Arsenal abandon their methods. At no point did Arsenal feel as though what they were doing was wrong. At no point did they panic. They just continued to play the game that they all believe in, that Mikel Arteta has implemented. And they get to the place where... You know, as I say, there's only going to be one winner and they're constantly knocking at the door and eventually the door caved. And Eddie Nketiah, who'd already scored uh, in the game, is the one that pops up with the winner. And I've spoken already briefly about the emotions of that moment. The goal goes in. You want to go absolutely crazy, but there's a tiny part of you in real time without the benefit of replays that thinks that Eddie Nketiah might just be offside. And then the VAR steps in and you're thinking, here we go. And they're taking ages and ages and ages. And you're looking at the screen going, why is it taking so long? If he's onside, why the hell is this taking so long? And bang, Anthony Taylor blows his whistle and points to the centre circle. And you're like, oh, my word. Oh, my word. In the grand scheme of things, this win could be massive. I said to you guys in the build-up to this game and in the build-up to the North London derby that, I wanted four points from the two games. That was what I was looking for. That is what I felt Arsenal needed in order to maintain their push towards the Premier League title. And instead, we got six. Instead, we got six. And sometimes to win in the way that we won today, when, as I say, I don't think in the first half we were at our best. You have to give some credit to Manchester United for that because I thought they um, they stifled us really well. I thought Eric Ten Hag you know, identified certain areas in which he needed his team to be stronger and and more alert in order to prevent us playing our game. I was listening to the radio on the way home and I I heard a lot of people, Man United fans, calling up uh, and slagging off Eric Ten Hag and saying Eric Ten Hag got his tactics wrong and and he got this wrong and that wrong. I think Eric Ten Hag at 2-2 was happy with the point. And I think that you could see that in, in the changes he made. He took Anthony off and he brought... Uh, Fred on to bring that extra stability in midfield. But what that kind of did was just see Manchester United, in my opinion, sink deeper and deeper. And it was one less outlet they had on the counter-attack in order for them to try and potentially go on and win the game. So I think that sent maybe the wrong message. The other thing I'd criticise Eric Ten Hag for if I was a Man United supporter was his decision to leave Valt Veghorst on. Now, I know that they don't have an awful lot of options on the bench in terms of centre-forwards at the moment. But Val Veghorst was like a lamppost today. He did en- he did nothing. You know, they play a long ball up to him. He wasn't even winning those. Saliba and Gabriel were so dominant uh, in and around him. He f- laid the ball off a couple of times and, and sort of, you know, brought other people into the game. But I thought largely his game was really, really ineffective. And, you know, that's a credit as well to the way that Arsenal defended. If you think about that, Ramsdale save that I mentioned from Marcus Rashford in the second half. That's a that's a brilliant moment for Manchester United. A really good save, as I say, a world-class uh, save. But outside of that, 
you know, Rashford's goal was a moment of brilliance, an individual brilliance from a long way out. Lissandro Martinez's goal is somebody being opportunistic inside the penalty area off the back of an Arsenal error. Man United didn't really create anything, if we're being honest. And, you know, yes, you can feel uncomfortable at points in these games, but when you look back at them and you break them down, very often you'll see that actually you had nothing really to worry about. And I think from a defensive perspective, that's true. But where I say Arsenal were probably a little bit under their usual level in the first half was our ability to move the ball quickly, swiftly, accurately. It was just, there was just a little bit of quality missing, I felt. But in the second half, it was back and it was there. And that's great. Whatever happened in the dressing room at half time uh, really sort of galvanised us and, and saw us come out and play. Um, you know, with the exception of one error in the second half, an almost flawless half, I would say. I would go that far. I thought it was that good. Obviously, at the break, we had to take Ben White off. Mikel Arteta was clearly worried and concerned about the fact that he was dealing with Marcus Rashford on that side and had already picked up a yellow card, which I thought was harsh, by the way, not because I have a massive problem with the individual awarding of that yellow card, but because... There were very similar tackles on the other side that just weren't punished in the same way. There was one really cynical uh, challenge in the second half. Um, I'm not sure if it was Bruno. Was it Bruno Fernandes, maybe? Um, where we tried to break away and they took out our player sort of midway inside our own half as we looked to, um, as we looked to spring a break. And that went unpunished. And that was way more cynical than anything that Ben White did. So I was a little bit annoyed about that. But look, not the be all and end all. I talked about poor decision making at certain points and from certain players. And I thought the biggest culprit of that today, and let me get this negative out of the way because, you know, we, we want to focus on how good this Arsenal side are. We want to talk about all the positives. We want to talk Saka. We want to talk Inketia. We're going to do all of that. We want to talk Odegaard, Zinchenko. But the one that I thought was the biggest culprit when it came to bad decision making today was Gabriel Martinelli. Today was the first time this season that I can remember Gabriel Martinelli going up against the fullback and almost fearing him, having almost allowed the player to get in his head. You know, everybody talks about Aaron Wan-Bissaka as this really solid defender that nobody ever beats in one-on-one -on -one situations. Nobody can get past. Nobody has much joy against People talk about his limitations the other way, and, and probably rightly so. But I looked at Gabriel Martinelli today and I thought, OK, you know, you, you're not having the best game. I don't expect you to play a 10 out of 10 every single week. But what's changed in your mind? What's changed for you mentally today? Because Gabriel Martinelli normally doesn't give a shit about reputation. He couldn't care less who you are. You could be the best defender in the world. Gabriel Martinelli, when he's at the races and when he's on top of his game, won't think twice about taking you on. Won't think twice about delaying the ball. Um, waiting for other people to get involved. That's not what Gabriel Martinelli normally does. Gabriel Martinelli, apologies if there was a little interruption to the sound there. I don't know what happened. Gabriel Martinelli normally thinks, I don't care who you are. I'm going to take you on. I'm going to roast you. I'm going to go on the outside of you. I'm going to go on the inside of you. I'm going to 
be relentless and eventually I'll get my joy and eventually I will get what I want out of this. But today he just, he just, I'm not going to say he was terrible because that's not fair and that's not where I'm going with this, but I just thought he was a little bit hesitant. And I thought there were times in the first half where he'd pick the ball up, he'd drift inside, he'd get into that half space, he'd get into really good positions. And then he'd think twice, he'd second guess himself about what the right thing was to do. And then he'd end up doing nothing. And sometimes you'd rather he smacks a shot towards goal and it goes over the top of the crossbar, then gets caught in two minds and does very little. Um, again, look, some of you in the chat jumping to Gabriel Martinelli's defence. I'm not sitting here saying that he should be dropped from the team. I'm not sitting here saying that Gabriel Martinelli isn't a wonderful talent. I adore him, believe me, more than most. I just thought there were moments in today's game where he wasn't at it. And that's why it's so important that we have Leandro Trossard, who I thought came on and gave us quite a bit. It's important that we have Emil Smith-Rowe. It's important that we have options that we can bring on and rotate players because these players won't be at their best every single week. That's an impossible demand to place on people 21, 22 years of age. So to have different options is great. Me personally, I might have made that change seven to 10 minutes earlier than Mikel Arteta did it. But that's me being picky. It's not me sitting here criticising or saying that Arteta got it wrong because overall I thought he managed the game very, very well. I thought the players managed the game very, very well. And what you see now with this Arsenal side is that even when there's a setback, even when um, you know people are running on empty, even when people are tired, there is A, a belief in what they're doing and that belief means that you don't panic, you don't start throwing balls long, you don't start abandoning your principles, you don't start trying to play another way. You continue to play the way that you know works. You continue to do the things right that you know, you know, often breed the right result. That's what I love about this Arsenal team. And the fact that they keep going till the end is, is amazing. And listen, the more times you keep pushing until the end and you find late winners, the more you believe that, that will come good for you in future games. And the more you become a threat in the latter stages of matches, when other people get tired, when other people start to switch off, when fatigue starts to kick in, not just physically, but mentally with your opponents. The more you come through setbacks, the more you come through difficult moments, the more invincible you feel, the more unbeatable you feel. And football it's a great game and it's played with your feet and it's played, you know, with skills sort of with your lower half of your body. But as Andrea Pirlo used to say, and I've probably told you guys this quote 40, 50 times over the duration of this podcast being in existence. Football is a game that you play with your mind. Your feet are just the tools that you do it with. And yeah, um, you know, Arsenal mentally are on a totally different level now. And that's a nice segue into the next player that I want to talk about because I thought this player in particular embodies that mental shift that we've seen within this group. And that is Alexander Zinchenko. What an addition this guy has been. I talked about the fact that in the first half, I felt that he was just a little bit reluctant to come in field as much as he normally does. But my God, my God, in the second half, he did it with great regularity. It really helped us, especially in that last 20, 25 minutes to really get control of the game. At that point, Man United weren't in the game at all. 
It was one-way traffic. There was only one winger, uh, as I said, uh, one winner, as I say. Zinchenko played a massive part in that, but mentally, he is on a different level. You know, I could see him off the ball whenever we got a corner, sort of geeing up the crowd or, you know, communicating with his teammates, urging caution, urging people to, you know, to be brave at the se- when the time was right. So cautious when you need to be, but brave when you need to be. He said in a in a post-match interview um, that that basically he, when he arrived, he told these players that, you know, we can go all the way. We shouldn't be thinking about the top three. We should be thinking about going all the way. And that some of the players didn't believe him, but now they bloody do. You know, he's been there. He's been the distance. He's won Premier League titles before. And to have that experience within your group is invaluable. But he's not just a mouthpiece. He's not just one of those players that you have in and around the dressing room because he talks a good game. He plays a fucking fantastic game as well. And that is massive. That is absolutely massive. Um, what an addition. £35 million is an absolute steal. And I'll tell you this. There's a long way to go. We haven't achieved anything yet. But my God, if we go on and achieve what at the start of the season, as I keep saying, was completely unthinkable, how silly will Manchester City look for letting this guy go for £35 million? How silly will they look for letting Gabriel Jesus join us? Because ultimately they allowed those things to happen because really and truly they didn't see us as a threat. And here we are. Here we are. Um, let's take this super chat from uh, George Lucas. Thank you so, so much, mate, for your very, very kind donation. He says, this game today felt like a bit of Fergie time. This is how you win titles. Zinchenko in the second half as well was brilliant. He really, really was. Uh, thank you very much for your kind donation, my friend. Uh, before we continue, we're still going to talk Bukayo Saka. We're going to talk Eddie Enketia. We're going to talk Odegaard. Um, we'll touch on Tommy Asu's uh, performance when he came on as well. And we'll take some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat. But before we do that, just a couple of quick messages. First up, there's over 750 of you live with me right now, and there'll be thousands more watching this. Please do leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. If you're listening on the audio platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, uh, please do leave us a review there. Make sure you're subscribed on whichever platform it is that you uh, take the content uh, from. And uh, if you want to go one further by becoming a member of the podcast and supporting me to bring you more content, supporting the growth of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, but also supporting the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, whom we'll be donating to uh, from our membership pot on a regular basis then please go over to www.anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna. The link is in the description below. If you go over to the website, create your account, log in with your account, you'll then be able to subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. You'll then get access to our premium content via the Another Slice app or the Another Slice website. And if you prefer, if you have a preferred uh, podcast app that you like, uh, then please do. Uh, take the RSS feed for the premium stuff and plug it into that. That keeps your podcasts all in one place. I know a lot of people were asking me about that. So I've got to make sure that I keep mentioning uh, that feature. On there, you'll get premium bits of content. Um, we recorded one last week that we had to bin after the Trossard sign-in. Uh, so that I owe you guys an extra one this week. But we are doing post-match player ratings after every single Arsenal match. And that is available exclusively 
on another slice. If you go to the YouTube community tab, uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, you'll be able to find the link uh, over to that specific episode that dropped uh, a couple of hours ago as well. Any likes, any shares, any comments, any subscriptions, anything is uh, is much appreciated. So thank you uh, so, so much for your continued support. Okay, let's take it on then. Let's talk Bukayo Saka. Oh, what a player this guy is. Every time he gets the ball out on the right-hand side, you feel like something's going to happen. And when he drifts in and scores the goal that he did today, I mean, that was sublime. But just the fact that whenever he gets it, he seems to attract three or four players. The way he combines with Martin Odegaard, the way he's started to combine with Eddie Nketiah, the way you can ping the ball into Saka, who isn't the biggest guy in the world, and you know that he's going to hold it. You know that the only way someone is getting to that ball is if they foul him because he's so good at using his body and protecting it. He's got an incredible ability to drop his shoulder, spin away from people. He's just, he's getting better and better with every passing week. And I was looking at this kid right at the start of the season and I didn't think he could get better, but he continues to improve and I think continues to take his level uh, further and further. Eddie Nketiah, seven in his last seven, I think, for Eddie Nketiah. Um, <laughs> let me just say this, right? A lot of the same people that wanted Mikel Arteta sacked at the end of last season sat here and told us that our season was over because Eddie Nketiah was going to have to play through the middle. Told us that Eddie Nketiah was no good. Told us that £100,000 a week in terms of a salary was a waste of money. How wrong were you? How wrong were you people? I'm not sitting here because I want to be the guy that says I told you so and all of that. That's not what I'm doing this for. But what I'm trying to say is how mentally strong are these people? Arteta, Nketiah, all these people that everybody wanted to write off. Granit Xhaka is another one. There's so many people in this team and in this group and in this squad that our own fan base wrote off. Yet here they are stepping up to the mark, performing week in, week out. Eddie Nketiah has been outstanding, outstanding. And I've done this calculation before on air, uh, but I'm going to do it again just to kind of make that point for maybe those that, that haven't seen me do this before or or don't remember it uh, from last time. Hold on. How do I open? Where is it? Let me just find my, um, my maths was never my strong point. Uh, where is it? Hold on. I'm trying to bring up my calculator on my laptop. It's not really working. Let me just do it on my phone. Deal. Uh, one second, one second, one second, one second. Um, this is how badly I want to make this point. Eddie and Ketia, right? £100,000 a week. Okay. Times that by 52. That's 5.2 million. Okay. Times that by five. That's a five-year contract. £26 million. And that includes his wages. That's how much this guy is going to cost us over the next five years. £26 million. You tell me what centre-forward you'd have got that would have been, A, happy to play second fiddle to Gabriel Jesus, but that would have been this effective in his absence for £25, £26 million, including the guy's wages. Who could you have got for that sort of money? Nobody. Nobody of this level. And that is why signing up Eddie Nketiah to that contract was smart business. And Eddie Nketiah has proven 
Mikel Arteta and the club right for putting their faith and putting their trust in him. Hopefully he can maintain this level. Hopefully he can continue to develop. But if you don't take encouragement from what you've already seen of Enketia in terms of development over the last couple of months, where, what are you doing? Like, what are you watching? He's not only incredibly effective inside the penalty area, in and around the six-yard box, as we've already discussed. He's going out to the left and combining with people. He's going out to the right and doing the same thing. He's dropping into those deeper pockets when he needs to. He's pressing, he's defending. Eddie Nketiah's game has come on so much under this group of staff. It is unbelievable. He was fantastic at the end of last season. Okay, Arsenal fell short in their quest for Champions League football, and that probably overshadowed what Eddie as an individual had done. But he's waited patiently for his opportunity this time around. He's taken it with both hands. You can't ask for more from this young man. You can see the chemistry and the relationship that he has with Bukayo Saka, for example. I don't know if anybody saw this Sky interview that they did after the game. You can really see that there's love. You can really see that there is, you know, a, a, a connection between him and the players that he's playing with week in, week out. And that helps. Of course it does. But don't let anybody tell you that Eddie Nketiah hasn't proven people wrong because he absolutely has. Absolutely has. He's been fantastic. It's been amazing. Uh, what else have we got? Um, I wanted to talk uh, Martin Odegaard, who I thought was fucking outstanding again. Everything he does just oozes class. The touches, the 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 positional play, the the dropping into the pockets, the half spaces that he occupies, the way he receives the ball in tight spaces and turns away from people, rolls people. He's got so much ability. It's unbelievable on the ball. But the work rate as well, you know, the effort that this guy puts in. There was a moment in the first half where he got back and made a tackle and went down on the ground just outside our penalty area and then proceeded to obstruct the ball for a little while um, to stop the player getting on it. And then he gets himself up off the ground while he's still got the ball at his feet and comes away with it. He's just, honestly, again, another one. Why the hell is Martin Odegaard being made captain, I heard people say. That's why. Because not only is he one of the most talented players in this side, but he's also incredibly industrious, a real hard worker. He is someone who exemplifies what Mikel Arteta wants on the pitch. Is he the most vocal? Is he a Tony Adams-style captain? Is he one of those captains of yesteryear who goes around beating his chest on the football pitch and getting in among people as they used to say. No, he doesn't do any of that. But what he does do is he leads by example. What he does do is instruct. What he does do is guide. What he does do is take responsibility. And that for me is good enough. This guy has the potential to go on and be one of the best advanced midfielders in world football if he's not there already. Because his performances this season have been unbelievable. And people said last season, great, tidy, easy on the eye, doesn't score enough goals, doesn't create enough goals. Well, he's fixed that this season. Not that it needed much fixing. I think it was always something that was going to come with time. And it was always going to be something that came with his development. People forget that Martin Odegaard is just 24 years old. And the reason they forget that is because he's been around forever. You know, obviously at Real Madrid, from the age of 16, there was a lot of pressure on him, but he never really had a home 
prior to this, Martin Odegaard. You know, he bounced from pillar to post. He spent time at Real Madrid, but obviously went out on loan to Heerenveen in the, in the Netherlands. He spent time at Vitesse in the Netherlands. He went to Real Sociedad. Then he went on loan to Arsenal. And then Arsenal made that deal um, permanent. And here he is. Now he's finally got home. Now he's got a sense of responsibility. You can see that he is taking that on and he is thriving in his new role. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. It really, really is. Oh, I mean, what a player. What a player. Um, interested to know what you guys thought of Takahiro Tomiyasu. Let me know in the chat. Um, I'm interested to know what you guys think of his performance because I'd, I was a bit worried when he came on. I, I've got to be honest. I've I've watched Tomiyasu of late and, and just felt that he hasn't managed to replicate the levels that he showed last season and prior to his injuries um, or that period where he was sort of out for a long time in and out of the side. He just doesn't quite look the same player to me. He, he came on and took on the responsibility of looking after Marcus Rashford, which isn't easy. And there's obviously a lot of other things you have to think about when you're playing that role in Mikel Arteta's team. I mean, I'm sure you guys noticed it as well, but how many times, even when it was Ben White today, did we see our right back go right onto Luke Shaw to press? And that's all well and good, being aggressive like that, but you still have to get back. And Marcus Rashford is the one lurking in the shadows. So, I, I, yeah, I, I was really worried, actually, about how Tommy Asu was going to deal with Rashford, but I understood why the change needed to be made and I understood why Mikel Arteta felt that was something he had to do. Obviously, Mikel trusts in Tommy Asu to come on and do a job, and, and to be fair, he did for the most part, but there were just a couple of moments, weren't there, at the start when he first came on where he looked a little bit shaky and Manchester United were getting a little bit of joy down their left-hand side, our right-hand side, but, you know, he, he sort of worked his way into the game and, and in the end did quite well. But yeah, that was a bit of a concern for me um, today. Nice to see William Saliba's performances levelling out a bit as well because he had a great start to the season. Post-World Cup, I thought he, he dropped a little bit in terms of his level, but he seems to have just found that stability again over the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been as outstanding as he was in the first half of the season, but I think part of that is because Gabriel has been outstanding maybe outshone him a little bit in the heart of the defence in recent weeks. But to see Saliba stabilising again is great. You know, he's a young player. He's going to have dips and troughs. And and here he is. And, and you know, looking back closer towards his best. I still don't think we're seeing the very best of William Saliba now in comparison to what we saw at the start of the season. But he's on his way back there, which is obviously encouraging. Um, Guys, there is uh, over 800 of you watching us live on YouTube right now. Why on earth haven't we got 400 likes on the board? I might not say another word until we get 400 likes. Come on, leave a like on the video. It doesn't cost a thing. Leave a like, subscribe, check the podcast out on another slice. Check out the premium content if you want to support further uh, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Get involved. Um, oh, I mean, what a roller coaster of emotions. I've been speaking for so long um, that... You know, it's um, it's done me good because it's allowed me to kind of get my feelings and, and thoughts on the game out there. Because as I say to you guys, when the game ended, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know 
um, how to feel. You know, I've got to be honest, this is going to sound really corny and, and cheesy maybe to some people. But when that third goal was given, um, you know, at the beginning, it was anxiety, stress. You know, we got to hold on to this. I knew that we were in stoppage time. Um, I knew that it was in the 90th minute because as the goal uh, went in, we saw the um, the board go up for the added time. So I knew at what stage in the game it had come pretty much exactly. But first you get that that worry and that anxiety and that stress that comes with um, the VAR decision and whether that's going to be given or not given, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're sitting there shitting yourself. But when the final whistle went and I saw those scenes inside Emirates Stadium, I mean, I, I don't even, I can't even describe them to you and, and do it justice. Like a lot of people have said, yeah, as I keep saying, you know, we saw it on TV. It was fantastic. It Honestly, I would go as far as saying that's the best atmosphere I've ever experienced at Emirates Stadium. And we've had some great nights, the Barcelona night, the Leicester game. You know, there's been some stuff where, you know, the place has erupted. But this was, this was right up there, if not above both of those. To see that kind of outpour of emotion and, you know, all the stress that everybody had gone through over the duration of that 90 minutes culminating into this eruption at the full-time whistle, to see how the players responded. Honestly, it's, it's so amazing. And as I said right at the top of the show, you can say whatever you want about Mikel Arteta. You know, people moan about his conduct and people moan about our players and moan about our fans and moan about this and moan about that. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, Arsenal are back. We've got our football club back. There is a, a pride that comes with supporting Arsenal Football Club that never disappeared, but certainly waned over recent years. You know, there is um, there is something, there is a lot to be said for feeling that connection with your football club. And, you know, throughout my life growing up, people that know me personally will know that Arsenal's always been a massive part of my life. It's always been the centre of everything I do. It's always been, you know, my real passion and my real love. And, you know, I tell my wife all the time that Arsenal was my first love. She's second. But do you ever love your second as much as you? No, I'm just not. I'm just kidding. But the point I'm trying to make is there is, you know, when, when Unai Emery was in charge, and I don't want to take this back to Unai Emery because this is not about him, you know, but there was a point during his tenure that I felt disconnected from my football club. There was a there was a point where I felt like I was losing my football club. There was a point where I felt like my football club had turned into a soulless football club, a club that were nothing, a club that we're on the decline, a club that had had their day and, and we're going to be nowhere near uh, the top of the pile in the near future. And Mikel Arteta has given me that back. He's given me that pride. I, I feel more emotional going into games now and during games now than I have in the last 15 years. The, the emotions that I go through, the stress that I go through now is unbearable at times it was unbearable at times today it was unbearable during the north london derby but you'll take that because you feel connected if you if you feel like that in your gut it means that you care 
And it means that you've got that burning desire to see your team succeed. So you know what? I will take it. I will take it every day of the week. And I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. And a lot of people are going to have to eat some humble pie when it comes to Mikel Arteta, regardless of whether Arsenal win the Premier League or not. If they continue on this trajectory, if they finish even second in the Premier League, a lot of you are going to have to sit there and eat some humble pie. And I have no problem serving that up to those that need it. Uh, Limitless Football Academy says, I agree. Harry should dye his hair blonde if Arsenal win the league or he gets a tattoo of Arsenal and I'll join him on it. I'll definitely do the tattoo, 100%. I don't really think I've got the complexion for blonde lads, but um, yeah, we'll do the uh, we'll do the tattoo. Uh, that's a promise. You can clip that up. Uh, Omar says, Harry took lots of stick for backing Arteta, but he has been vindicated. I did take tons of stick. And there are a lot of people that I work with. There are a lot of people that do similar things to what I do in terms of YouTube and podcasts that will need to eat that humble pie as well. What I will say is the ones that I know genuinely want the best for Arsenal, even if their opinion was that Mikel Arteta wasn't the right man and he needed to go, they genuinely wanted the best for Arsenal at the time and thought that that was the right thing at the time. So it doesn't mean they can't enjoy the fact that Arsenal are doing well at the moment or that they should be picked on, but it just goes to show that not always do we as fans know what's best for a football club? Not always do we know or understand exactly what's going on in the background. So for Arsenal to be where they are today is amazing. For Arsenal to be competitive again, right at the top of the Premier League is amazing. For Arsenal to be, uh, you know, winning games in the last minute, like Manchester United had done to so many others for so many years is amazing. And, you know, Enjoy the ride, man. Enjoy the ride. That's that's all I can say to you. There will be ups. There will be downs. There will be heartbreak. There will be jubilation. That's what being a football fan is all about. But, you know, <laughs> the jubilation, all of that, it's worth it. You know, it, it's worth dealing with the shit when it hits the fan sometimes. That's just how it goes. But it's all about that connection. It's all about that feeling of being with your football club. And when you have that, there's nothing quite like it. And and honestly, we've um, we've got that back. And that is thanks to Mikel Arteta. It's thanks to the ownership for, for whatever the reason. Obviously, the reason that they clicked into gear and, and the reason that they, I think, woke up was the reaction to the Super League thing. You know, that, that was something that obviously had the potential to be catastrophic, but actually probably done us a bit of good. You know, Edu's done a wonderful job. Others behind the scenes have done a wonderful job. But Mikel Arteta is leading this charge. Mikel Arteta is at the forefront of this culture change and culture shift that has made so many of us fall in love with our club again and has reignited that connection that many of us, I wouldn't say lost, but felt was dwindling a little bit with our football club. Mikel Arteta has done that. Give him the praise he deserves. Back him. Support the team. Go to games. Be vocal. Support the team. Supporting means supporting in the shit times as well. It means backing your team, you know, against anyone and in anything. You know, don't allow people to put crap narratives out online that Arsenal are out of order, Arsenal are disgraceful, Arsenal are this. Point out, highlight the fact that other clubs circle referees. Highlight the fact that other clubs seem to get away with it whilst we get FA charge after FA charge. Highlight that Mikel Arteta's reaction on the touchline at times is no different to that of other Premier League managers who are going through the Premier League pressure cooker. 
highlight it on social media, make it clear that, you know, we we know what's going on here. We understand it. We can see it. If people don't like us, that's a good thing. It's a good sign. But anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2. What a game. Um, what a second half performance, especially. Eddie and Ketty are on fire. Bukayo Saka, brilliant as always. Alexander Zinchenko, a standout. Martin Odegaard, too. We will be back tomorrow with some more content. I'm sure there'll be more fallout to this game, more reaction to this game. And uh, we'll be speaking very, very soon. Hopefully get a transfer announcement tomorrow as well uh, with regards to Jakub Kivio, who I'm told was at Emirates Stadium today. Lots and lots uh, to mull over. Lots and lots to discuss over the coming days. Thank you to every single one of you for tuning in. Can we get to 400 likes before we say goodbye? We're around about 60 odd away. Like, 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 subscribe. You know the drill by now. Love to every single one of you. We'll do some questions tomorrow because I've run out of time. Um, until, I'm going to go and watch Match of the Day, obviously, and bask in the ambience of Arsenal's amazing win over Manchester United. Ambience, is that the right word? I'm going to go and bask in the victory, basically, is what I wanted to say. I've had a few beers. Arsenal beat Man United. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.